Raiders, start your engines! Yellow's out, yellow's out. Bannon's just about out wrecking him. Minty must in her. What is up, everybody? It is Friday, November 19th. This is episode 6. Green flag is out, and we are ready to roll three wide with DJG. Episode 6. I feel like... I don't know. It's all going so fast. It is. And <clears throat> I want to say, I snapped you the other day and said, I think it's crazy how we... Started this on the fly. It and was now literally we, just like, hey, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> and, I mean, obviously, I'm thankful that we're still able to do it. But, like, just to see, like, how much we've accomplished. Sometimes it doesn't seem like a lot, but. It's a lot it's to still, us. It's still pretty awesome. Um, Especially some of the news we're sharing later. Which, if you've followed our socials, you've seen it already, but. Right. Um, To kick off the show today, I think. Um, we're going to jump into some post-race coverage of the online All-American 400 that um, Jarrett, myself, and my brother ran uh, last week. And uh, I'll let you kick off since you did <laughs> a lot better than us. <laughs> uh, so qualifying did not go very well for really any of us. Uh, we had practiced, was it Friday? Yeah, we practiced Friday night. And out of the guys that were in there, I think I ended up fifth fastest. Hunter was like ninth, and you were what? Slow. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I think I finished 18th. But uh, so I was very, like, optimistic going into Saturday. I was like, okay. Well, we got into the practice session, pre-race practice session on Saturday, and the track conditions were complete opposite of what we practiced on the night before. Granted, everything the night before was later in the night, later in the evening in a session, so the track was cooler, it was a little stickier, so lap times were much, much faster. And I got out there, and I was running running around, just practice laps, and the track was like 30 degrees warmer than it was when we practiced the night before, and... Uh, there was a guy running faster than my time the night before on a slick on on a slick track. He was running faster than I was on a sticky track. So at that point, I was like, "Oh well." I was excited. I, I mean, I was still excited, but like, I was like, I was, I was hopeful that I was going to have a decent finish. But then when I saw that, I was like, "There's no way," because some of those guys were running fast. Yeah, I went out. I think I qualified sixteenth. I think Hunter ended up hitting the wall in his qualifying lap, so that kind of screwed him up. And then you were back. I st- I, I qualified. Um, I was still slow, so I ended up starting towards the back, which I don't know. Anytime we practice, it seems like the track condition is never the same, like with that race and with IROC. So I really wish Milo would shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies. All this work that we put towards this, and, and we still cannot figure out that <laughs> that problem. Um, we'll try to talk over him, but um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not editing this either. That's fine. So It'll be all right. Um, but uh, I was just saying, it's it. 
the track edition's never the same, and it's just it gets a little bit frustrating for me because it's like, you know, we went out Friday night qualify, or I ran 18th fastest. We got on a completely different track Saturday before the races started, and um, I was still slow. I mean, I was running like faster than the other track conditions, but still wasn't where I wanted to be at. So it was it was really frustrating for me. Um, but yeah, so we all ended up starting. I started way further back than I wanted to. I started right in the middle of the field, and I was like, great. Yeah. I was like, I've put in all this time practicing for this race, and I'm going to end up getting taken out early. I'm like, we have 400 laps. I'm like, I was really hoping that people would just let things happen and kind of single file out and roll for a good majority of the race, mm-hmm. which they did for the most part, which yeah. I told Dakota, I was like, I think – you might be in the best spot right now because running around the back, if it's an absolute shit show, um, you might you'll probably be able to avoid most of it. Right, and that was the hope I had. And no, don't get me wrong; there were a lot of cautions. I think we had a total of 130 caution laps, which is extremely way way too many. Yeah, but uh, we did have some good long green flag runs. Um, I was involved in some wrecks. I got spun a couple times. Um, I know Hunter and Dakota were both involved in stuff, none of which I don't think any of them were actually their fault. It was just one of those type of things where you get it happened up. and there was, whatever you did, you weren't avoiding it. Right. Um, I was going to say, you know, you said starting in the back might be the best option. Typically it would be, and that's what you hope, but still find trouble. Um, so yeah, I did, I, I did get caught up in, in other people's stuff and, uh, Tore up the car, and then I came back out, and then the car was just not handling well. I spun out once, didn't bring out the caution, thankfully. Came out again, and the car just, the rear end just lost it out of one, or excuse me, out of two. Um, I think I did end up pulling off um, for the rest of the race, and then I pulled back out on the track. I pulled a... <clears throat> uh, <laughs> to, try to, to try, try to better my position over Hunter, and then he goes and does the same thing. So I gave up. I said, you know, I'll let him have that that one position higher than me. So, um, but it was frustrating for me for sure because you know you have hopes that you'll go out there and do well, um, and it just was not my night. But you did end up finishing fifth. Yeah. So uh, I got spun a couple times. And I was able to keep it out of the wall. So I was thankful for that. Um, there was one wreck that happened out of turn two and it just turned it into a parking lot and I locked it up and I was like, I, there was nowhere for me to go. I ended up hitting somebody, got some front end damage. Luckily it didn't change how the car drove at all. It just kind of crinkled some body panels. No big deal. Um, I did find myself up towards the top 10 running in the top 10. Um, and we got to like 30 to go and I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> um and Dakota was kind of I I do want to say thanks Dakota. He says he didn't do anything, but I really didn't. I I'll, just... I'll explain I'll, I'll explain in a minute. Um anyway, I ended up working my way up to like 7th or 8th and uh came down to the last few cautions. Uh Excuse me. Couple got uh, one time, guy in front of me spun out, or a couple guys wrecked. 
that moved me up to like sixth. And then on another restart, another guy in front of me spun out. That moved me up to fifth. And the final restart, because of a repeat caution, basically what I mean by that is the green flag dropped. We didn't get a lap in, and then we had another caution. So anytime that happened, it turned into a single-file restart. So the final restart was a green-white checkered single-file, I think. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I I remember saying, because Dakota was, like, keeping me calm through this whole thing. Because I was like, there's, like, three laps left. I'm in the top five, you know. I was like, I was not expecting to be here. I I was like, I'm getting nervous. And Dakota, Dakota, whether he believes it or not, was able to keep me calm on the restarts. But that last single-file restart, I was like, this guy's faster than I am. Watch him try to dive bomb me on this restart. Well, luckily, I saw it coming, and I did the dive bomb before he could get to me. And I was able to hold him off the first lap, no problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, on the second lap, he he was on my bumper all the way through one and two. Like, I mean, on it. Like, it popped up on my screen. It was like <laughs> car contact, zero X. Um, so I do want to thank him for racing me clean. I don't remember. I think it was, his last name was Brooks. Could be wrong. Uh, anyway, uh, and uh, he got to my left or my driver's side rear quarter and entering into three and i was like uh here we go i was like he's gonna get me he's gonna steal my top five and i just hit the gas and it stuck and drove right out of right out of four and i think i got him by it was maybe a half a car a car half a car for the top five and i tell you right now i've never been so excited to get fifth in my (laughs) entire life um, that was the final payout spot. I made fifteen, but well, I made five dollars. The pay in was ten. I won fifteen, but I was very excited. I was like, I was, I told Dakota, I was like, I don't even know what <laughs> to say. Yeah, I mean, I was the same way. I was speechless. Yeah, I was like, I there was no way that I should have been up there. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, I was like, woo, <laughs> but like, you know, I, I oh. Have. Real quick, I also want to apologize to anybody that was watching me stream to our uh, Facebook page. My mic <laughs> was muted the entire <laughs> time, and I didn't realize it until after the race. So I definitely was talking that entire time, but no one heard me. So, like, I was, for example, Brandon Mefford was uh, trying to talk to me in his comments, and he asked me a question, and I answered it. And then he like <laughs> question marks. I was like, "Did you not hear me?" Well, then I messaged him privately on Facebook, and I answered him. And then I went back and watched some of the uh, recording or some of the video later at the end because I yelled when I got fifth. I was like, "Yeah, whatever." And I crossed the finish line. And I was like, "I didn't hear anything." I was like, oh, no, my mic was muted <laughs> all 400 laps, and I had no idea. Yeah. But uh, all in all, it was a good race. I had a lot of fun. Um, I said that I wasn't going to be running a long race like that in a long time, but uh, I might be running a snowball derby <laughs> uh, Sunday morning. At, I think it starts at 10 a.m., 300 laps in the super late model. Uh, it is an open setup race, though, so I'm probably going to struggle a little bit in that one, but... Hey, it's experience. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't turn down uh, an opportunity to 
to run a race like that. The only thing I don't like about it is that it's a technically an official race, so mm-hmm. anybody can run it. That kind of worries me, but hey, it is what it is. Right. Uh, let me pull up his Instagram really quick. While he pulls that up, I will um, explain what we're moving to next. So, um, I didn't know about this. Jared had messaged me and said Connor Daly um, had lost his sponsorship with uh, the United States Air Force. Um, I'm assuming they just did, they just decided to not renew their contract or, or whatever, but uh, Jared's going to read Connor's statement that he re- had released. So let me start off with, I'm not necessarily, uh, it, I'm not, I don't want to say an IndyCar fan. I watch IndyCar. If there's nothing, like if I don't have another race that I'm watching and I see IndyCar's on, I'll watch it. And the Indy 500 because I'm from Indiana. Duh. Right. Connor, Connor Daly is my favorite IndyCar driver. By far. He's also an Indiana boy. Um, I've raced with him a few times, spoke with him on iRacing. Um, really cool guy. Mm-hmm. I follow him on social media. Super funny. Uh, there for a while, had the mullet. I also had the mullet, so mullet respects mullet. You're, you're, you're talking, and the first person that I thought of that he can like be an equivalence to is literally like Pat McAfee, I'm sure. Oh, like, yeah. Of IndyCar, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like They're both just badass dudes. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, Connor Daly posted this on social media. I don't know if it was just, I think he said something about it on Twitter. But I'm reading it from Instagram. He says, this is the story of the ride we've had together with United States Air Force and IndyCar in a few swipes. News broke yesterday that they would not be back supporting me next season in a major way as the, in as major of a way as they have the last few seasons. But these things happen in business is business. This is meant to be a huge thank you to everyone who has been involved. It all started with a small budget in 2018 and a fight to just make the Indy 500. We did it. First time I've ever cried in a race car was after that qualifying run to make the field. We then progressed to my best Indy 500 result to date. 10th with the Andretti Autosport, or with Andretti Autosport, after being fastest on car bay and running in a top five for a good part of the race. That led to my first road course start in the uh, USAF colors. Uh, they continued to have faith in me and got me back on the grid with the ECRND or with ECRND in 2020 for the majority of the season. We had a lot of ups and downs over the last few years, but to end up having the best chance I've ever had to win the Indy 500 together this year and led the most laps of the race is something I'll forever be thankful for. This partnership truly reignited my IndyCar career, and I met some of the most incredible people along the way. It's not over yet. There's still a chance we can reunite for the Indy 500 once again this year, so we'll keep our fingers crossed. We've had, without a doubt, some of the coolest cars on the grid, and I appreciate everyone who has purchased the diecast cars over the years. Again, to all those who helped create and manage this program, thank you. So, um, Connor Daly still does have a ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems anyway. Uh, he did say he's got plans for the 2022 season. So looking forward to that. Um, I remember watching Connor Daly take the lead and the the entire track went absolutely nuts. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Mm. For sure. I remember watching it at home and I was just like, 
it was just like surreal. It was just like, what's happening? I was watching it. It was on amazing. My, I was watching it on my phone while I was driving. <laughs> Even I in my car was like, was like yeah. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Um, yeah. I mean, but you know, we're about to talk about Anthony Alfredo being out at Front Row Motorsports too. It sucks seeing, you know, people lose sponsorships, which nowadays seems like it could be the end of their career as a driver. So, yeah, because you see a lot of people. Like, a lot of teams are like, oh, we're picking up this driver because of the sponsorships he has with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not the only reason, but, like, that plays a major role in probably, them having a car. You're right. It's probably the the top <clears throat> reason why people have rides or they don't have rides. So, right. obviously, we're wishing the best for uh, Connor. We're rooting for him. And, I, like you said, seems like there's uh, opportunities there for 2022. So, uh, can't wait to see what he's able to uh, pull off for, for next season. Um, in Cup news, uh, Anthony Alfredo joins uh, a few other drivers who are now out of rides, um, which I saw coming. Um, I'd been saying this since he got on with Front Row, that it just seemed like he was um, filling the void that John Hunter had left when he... Mm. Uh, dipped from front row and joined um, Kyle Busch Motorsports in the truck series. Um, so it was kind of, for me, I, I kind of knew that he wouldn't last longer than the season, uh, which is unfortunate. I think he had a lot of potential in the Xfinity series, and I think he's a prime example of a driver who shouldn't be rushed from Xfinity to Cup. Um, I think that is the number one, like, career killer for a lot of these drivers is not spending much time in uh the trucks or the xfinity series and they jump right up to cup and it's completely different than those two other series and uh ultimately what leads to a lot of drivers losing their rides after a season or two so um i won't read his statement but he did put out a youtube video on his uh, channel saying that um he has some news coming soon that he's ready to share with people about next season. So I'm assuming that he'll have a ride lined up. Uh, it just might not be the cup series. I've used this comparison before, but I think I'm going to use it again. Um, Compare it to college sports moving up to professional sports. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these kids, 18 years old, go to a D1 college place for a year, and then they're like, oh, I'm going pro. Mm-hmm. Now, this doesn't apply to every single one of them. Some of them go to pro sports and exceed tremendously. Mm-hmm. But there's still a lot of them that everybody talks, you know, praises that player, that person, and then they move up to pro and they're like, oh, this dude's a bust. Well, probably because he didn't spend time developing his skills enough at a higher level beyond high school. He played one year of college and then now he's like playing with the best of the best. What do you expect? Right. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you 100%. I think the difference, though, with Anthony is, uh, you know, his uh, management is Austin Dillon's dad, I believe. So he's, so he, I don't know if he still is, but he was a driver for RCR. Mm -hmm. Um, And when John Hunter left, Front Row Motorsports was without a driver. And obviously, I I can't fault Anthony for taking whatever opportunity came his way. 100%. I would have took it, too. Yeah, especially a cup ride. So, um, but... I just feel like 
the trading of that is you're potentially setting yourself up to because your not expectation return. the expectations like what is expected of you is significantly higher mm-hmm. because of what like the series you're running in right 100% um so it's unfortunate i mean i i really wish that he had another uh, at least one more season with him to see what he's really uh what to to see what his potential really is but obviously Racing is business, and, and business sucks sometimes, and, and that's just part of it. But you also got to look at it this way. Whatever move or, you know, however the however everything falls now might be a better move for him than staying at front row. Right. I mean, we saw what happened with John Hunter when uh, he left and, and went and dropped down to the truck series and ran with Kyle, but she was running for a championship. So mm-hmm. um, I definitely don't think this is the end for Anthony. I just... Um, Brief pause, not necessarily. Not a brief pause, pause but, but I don't think we'll see him in Cup um, next year. Um, Still, hope to see him do well wherever he's right. racing. Yeah, I mean he's a good guy. I mean I follow him on social media. Um, Isn't his like fast pasta or something? Mm-hmm. Like that? <laughs> yeah, he's a really cool guy, and and you know he's. Uh, I don't know what else to say. He's just a really good guy, and and he's very personable, and is really caring about his fans and, and about the sport. So um, we're rooting for him too and, and hope for the best for him. Um, before we jump to the next topic, I did want to bring up that Joey Gase is starting an Xfinity team, which I saw that on social media and it was kind of shocked. Um, didn't see that coming. It wasn't on my bingo card. I might get some hate for this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. The current Xfinity car, Xfinity series in my opinion, is better than the Cup Series. No, I agree. I think the cars themselves are a little more, di- I don't necessarily difficult, but you know what I mean? Like, I think it does require a little bit more, um, I don't want to say talent, but. I think <laughs> generally like it's more driver than it is car in the right. Xfinity Series. And, and, and the racing is better, and I've said that. I think the racing is 100% better than, you know, a Cup race. Um but it's just the nature of the car. Well, all I'm going to say is if the next-gen car is anything like what we've experienced on iRacing, we're in for a long season. I, yeah. Well, okay, I say that. It'll be good as a spectator. Because mm, we'll it'll see. be a lot of close racing. Right. The issue is passing. Well, I think the draft package sucks. Uh, on iRacing, anyway, it's just like if you... But they're experienced. They're experimenting True. with all that now. So. True. They'll fix it. Yeah. I, I mean, hope. I, I'm sure they will. I mean, <laughs> a lot of R&D. So. Um, so that moves us into the next topic of the next-gen test at Charlotte. And uh, just want to say uh, shout-out Austin Dillon for the first driver having big enough balls to test out the physics of the car crashing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I don't want to say the first person to wreck the car. The first person to really wreck the car. The first person to sacrifice himself <laughs> after what we heard about the dummies. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's good to see that he is alive and well. <laughs> I, I, I That was one of the things I was wondering because all these rumors had came out or had come out about the next-gen car earlier on, um, well, after they had released obviously everything. But, you know, when there was rumors that the dummies were dying in these crash tests and all that. So I wonder if uh, this alcohol is making me lose my train of thought. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, What was I going to say? I wonder if 
what we saw at Charlotte is kind of like making people relax a little bit, I guess, on the safety of these cars and, and how they're built. I didn't see the accident. I didn't either. All I know is that... I they, guess the result of it. Like, it looked like a hard hit. And based on the damage of the car, it looked... I mean, they had to replace the whole front clip of the car. Right. Which is something we were going to get to. Um, I would think so. I would hope so. It kind of relaxes people, because I know that that was a big worry. But we were also seeing a lot of conflicting stories on social media. Because... Mm-hmm. We had people saying, oh, the test dummies are dying. And we had some people saying, no, they're not. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like- I think NASCAR didn't help this situation, though. Um, if I had to criticize anybody in this group, would be NASCAR. I don't think they did a good enough job with the public to kind of be more transparent than they were um, for, for their reasons. But I think if they had been a little bit more transparent, maybe the, the suspense from race fans wouldn't have been so high. I still um, think you're going to get the select few from the bunch that are going to be like, uh, we won't know this is safe until, you know, that until you see another Ryan Newman accident, <laughs> Yeah, which hope the God I never see, but Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> we won't get into it, but that was, uh, uh, but again, they did have to repair the car. Mm-hmm. Um, they did. It took them about six hours. Yep. Um, and they did have the car back out on track before practice ended in the evening, which is very impressive. Uh, I think big steps for NASCAR. Yeah. I believe that the car was designed so that basically the whole front clip just pop it off, pop it it's, back on and go. I believe it's the front and the rear clip. I believe and it is both, yes. Obviously, the, the main part of the cage is one piece, but that's not something that we would have seen had it been the Gen 6 cars or... Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with because Delara is doing all the, and IndyCar is kind of set. I don't, not necessarily the same way. Mm-hmm. So like when an when IndyCar wrecks, mm-hmm. it's designed to split into three pieces. Mm-hmm. So you have like the cab where the driver sits, the nose breaks off, and the tail breaks off. And that's kind of similar to how. I could be totally wrong here. No, you're right because it's but, it's to help dispense the energy from the right, driver. But as part of that. Now I hope I hope to God NASCAR never gets to that mm-hmm. where you know it's like they wreck. Oh, the whole nose of the car got ripped <laughs> off for whatever Everything's reason. Everything's left but the roll cage. <laughs> um, but I do like the this direction that they're going with this to make it easier for teams to repair vehicles and so basically you know obviously most teams have backups, mm-hmm. but it would be nice to. Be able to, especially some of the low budget teams, like smaller teams, where if they just had the parts to fix the one car, you know, especially now, we'll bring this up later. Um, they're bringing practice and qualifying and stuff back next year. We'll discuss that later. But because of that, you'll have a full weekend of cars on track. So if you wreck one early in the weekend, you have time to fix it, right. the original car, in hopes of getting it back out there. Right. And I know. Um, obviously teams will still have backup cars, but, um, the hype around the next gen car was to help teams be more competitive to give the smaller teams, not an advantage, but an equal playing field. And part of that was to eliminate the need for 
several different types of cars. You have short track cars, super speedway cars, road course cars. Now this one car can run any circuit and not have, and a team doesn't have to worry about um, having several different cars in their shop to, to meet the demands of whatever racer or whatever track they're going to. So um, I'm interested to see though, if that's obviously that's how it's going to play out as far as the cars. But I wonder if uh, the financial benefits of this new car, if the equal playing field um, of this new car is actually going to be persistent throughout the season, or if we're going to see like something you had said, where once the bigger teams figure out what they got going on, then we'll see that um, I set back for the other teams. I would absolutely love to see a full season of like first-time winners. Mm-hmm. Just basically people that you don't expect to be up in the front finishing top five, you know, stuff like that. You know, having rather than just running at the back of the field every week. Right. Um, but I do think, I think at least early in the season, it'll be a lot of, I think we might get some of that, but I still believe that once a team, once some of the teams kind of start figuring stuff out, I, I really want to say, I hope it's not like that just because I don't want, don't get me wrong. Like I have my favorites and I want to see them win, but if it's just kind of like, oh, well, we're going to go figure this out and then we're going to absolutely dominate all season. Cool. I'll enjoy it, whatever. But at the same time, I'm like, I want to see – I'd rather see good racing and my guy lose than boring racing and my guy win. Can I say something controversial? Say it. That's how I felt this last season with Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson winning, um, like, what, 10 races total? It, it's, it's not, I love Kyle, and I think he's a fantastic driver, but it's like seeing that happen over and over, <laughs> over, and, over and over and over it's again. Like, Jesus. I think a lot of that stuff that helped him, though, was not having all the practice and qualifying. So, like, basically it was one of those kind of things where if you unload off the truck well, mm-hmm. you're, like, three steps ahead of everybody else. Right. Whereas this year everybody will have practice and qualifying and, like, time pre-race to get their cars better. Right. More in tune with how they want them uh, before the race even starts. Right. So we'll see. We'll see. I still think, well. I'm keeping out hope, but I don't know. I'm still a little hesitant on what racing these cars are going to produce. I will say, though, I did notice a lot of the drivers had issues. Not issues, but like. I think a lot of them said that. A lot of them spun. Yeah. They were having snap, like it would snap loose really quick or, you know, it would kind of start getting loose and then you go to overcorrect it and it snapped back really hard like just issues like that that i think it's going to take a lot for people to get used to mm-hmm. i mean it is a new car everybody's kind of on a level playing field right now which makes it nice right but and that's what i was going to say a lot of drivers say that um with it being a new car obviously it's not something that they've ever driven before which i find i won't go there but um so you know, everyone's like you said, everyone's on a level playing field, but um I don't know, we'll see. I do kinda wanna know, um, from a team owner perspective. So like obviously you now have um RFK, which is Roush Fenway Kozlowski, new team. Mm-hmm. Um but like and then you have twenty three eleven, 
which both of those teams, part of their team ownership, also drives. So how does that work, you know, like, to basically not allow them to get a competitive edge over anyone else? You get what I'm saying? Like, obviously the teams have certain info on, like, the new cars. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely overthinking this, but. I see what you're saying. Yeah. But I can't. So, like, being a team owner, do you get more knowledge on, like, certain things that just a driver doesn't have? I would. Does that make sense? Yes. But I would like to say that's not the case because I feel like teams would be pretty open with drivers. I agree. But I can also see... Unless there's some sort of contract that you're not allowed to. Right. But I can see what you're saying. So it's definitely as far as how it goes into, like, testing and development. Like, do you, as a team owner slash driver, have a competitive edge over just the average driver? I don't think so. I think you're 100% correct that teams would be very open with their driver because obvious drivers right because they want them to win duh but i wouldn't think so i mean i feel like drivers are i mean i don't know i'm not i'm not in that <laughs> position but i would like to think that drivers are involved in those discussions right. about you know what they find at research and development or what they find uh with the wind tunnel testing that they get so often and stuff like that so i i don't think that would be an issue but it certainly could be i'm sure they could find a way to make it an issue i guess kind of what i'm getting at here is mm, i don't know i need time to think on that to formulate what i want to (laughs) say that it would make sense i guess kind of more as a driver slash team owner you are able to give more input on the matter so I don't know. I can't say this in a way that makes sense right now. I will think about it, and I will I will get back to you. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you're trying to say that team owner first, they have information that may be given to them that they can use, but other drivers may not get because they're not in the owner yes. position. Like, it's not necessarily, like, super, super vital information, but it is something that, you as a team owner know because you're a team owner, whereas so like we'll compare Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott. Mm-hmm. Denny being a team owner would know this. Mm-hmm. Chase wouldn't because he's just a driver. But it's not like it's not like a super game changing thing. But right. But there may be you're, you're saying there might be some information that Chase doesn't get that Denny would as a team owner. Yes, that he could apply. That, you know, it doesn't seem like it's something big, but it could end up being something big. I don't know. I'm I way see what over you're saying, this. but I'm going to have to d- disagree because here's the thing. Because Rick Hendrick's a team owner, right? Let's think of it like this. So, Denny and Rick are in the same room. They're getting the same information. Rick's going to take that information back to his team, whoever's responsible for setups, I guess we can say. In this I situation. mean, surely, right? Surely to God, if he wants to win, (laughs) you know, so I I don't think that'll be an issue. I don't know. There's a certain thing I want to say, but like, I don't know how to say it. 
I'll think of it. I get what you're saying. I'll think I of think. it sometime at like four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and I'll text you, and I'll be like, "This is what I was trying to say." Well, but. there's always next week <laughs> <laughs> to continue that conversation. But I, I, I think I see what you're saying, and I guess I could see that becoming an issue because Denny might get more information from somebody than somebody like Chase getting information that. There might be some things that aren't deemed important that he may deem important. I don't know. I don't know. But I would like to think that's not the case, but I don't know. I see what you're saying, though. But anyway, a lot of drivers had trouble. Danny spun. Um, so, okay, did Kyle Larson test a car this last weekend? He wasn't on the list. I don't think so. I think. But he was there with Alex Bowman mm-hmm. in his fire suit. And I saw something later that said Larson. It was a quote from Kyle Larson that said he was so he was dizzy from spinning out so much. I don't know. I might be hallucinating. I'm but not, I no, swear I saw. I, that. I'm not familiar with that information. But Larson's name was not on the lists that I saw on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's kind of all I have on the topic. Yeah, that's why I do too. I mean, I don't Did have anything they just, else to add. They just tested oval, correct? They didn't do any road course. Testing. Right. Okay. So it was just the oval. But they have done the road course. Yeah, I knew that they had done the road course already. But I haven't heard any feedback on how the car's driving traffic. I haven't really well, paid much attention to I it. I was going to bring that up too, but then I chose not to. When we first saw the footage, the first time they had ever run in a pack, and it was or it was the two cars running, and it seemed like they had a hard time passing each other. I'm afraid that's still an issue. I almost guarantee you it's still an issue. But that was a while ago, so you would think that they would have... Because I know NASCAR is kind of pissed about it. I'm pretty sure they're like, we're not happy with how these cars are running with, with each other. And that was months ago. So I wonder if maybe they had taken that information from all the data and maybe made a change to these cars to like better run in a group. I don't know. I know they were supposed to do... They weren't going to do a mock race, but they were. The teams were talking about running um, mm-hmm. in a pack. But I don't know if that ever happened. I didn't. I, either, I didn't watch that. any of the live streams or anything. I didn't either. I'm assuming they probably did though, but I don't know what the result of that would have been. Um, I haven't seen anything on Twitter. Um. Yeah, I I haven't either. Uh, but that's all done for the weekend. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Um. So we're going to kind of move over to the dirt world for for a moment. Uh, last weekend? It was, yeah. At? Arizona. Yeah, in Arizona. Dason Pursley. That was one of the... I would say one of the grossest wrecks I've ever seen um, in dirt racing in a while. Like, I... I, I, I Obviously, I haven't watched dirt much, but I have I I have like, seen a lot of dirt wrecks, and that was one of the like. There are a lot of times when, in a dirt race, especially in open wheel racing, that if you get in a wreck, your car's rolling. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've come to the point now where I'm like, oh, a car rolls over. It's really not like it's a big deal, but nine times out of ten, it, they just like it's kind of like brush it off, whatever. Right. But this wreck was nasty. And I did figure something out about this track because I watched it. And I was like, what happened? Like, it looks like the car just starts rolling out of nowhere. Yeah. The wall is not straight up and down. I think it's either slanted. I think it's slanted out. Mm-hmm. Which he got up on the wall. 
And it just rolled. And it just rolled, and then it ended up going end over end, and it, I don't know, man. Um, but he did end up having a severe spinal cord injury. Yeah. Um, and he ended up having surgery the next day to repair, I think, was it C4 and C5? Yeah. Have them fused together, I think. Yeah, he'd have them refused, and then once the updates had started coming out, um, I think it was announced that he also had, I want to say, like a laceration on his spinal cord. Don't quote me on this. It's on Twitter. It was something dealing But with it was cord. very, very serious, and uh, certainly something that could keep potentially in, be life-changing. Keep in mind, this kid's, what, 15, 16? He's young. And... That's what happens when you're racing. I mean, it really just kind of goes and puts into perspective. Anytime someone straps into a driver's seat, like, they are pretty much putting their life on the line. Oh, to, there's no pretty much about to, it. Like to just go are. have fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you ask anyone who drives a race car and you ask them about that, they're like, well, yeah, but. Like, that's not, like. It's not. Speaking from a. I don't want to say a driver's perspective, but I do drive a race car, so I think I am a little bit qualified to you talk about this. You are definitely qualified. I think once you start racing, you're programmed to not think about the danger of it or what could happen. You just kind of adapt. You, like, you know the You know it's there. there. Uh, and it's definitely something that I've thought about. But once you strap into the car, you're focused on, on the race or, or on practice or whatever the case may be. So you're not really thinking about, oh, this could be life changing if something were to happen. Um, it's just not something that you think about, and and like you said, it, these things really put in, put into perspective how dangerous racing is, which is obviously a given. You're going fast. You're you're doing crazy things with these pieces of equipment, cars, cars, <laughs> things with wheels that go fast. So, um, I I. I I feel terrible for the kid. I mean, it's... Oh, I do too, but... It's horrible. And that kind of brings me into... I'll share the most recent update here in a minute, but... Um, this kind of brings me into, you know, how people are like, oh, well, they just they just turn left. There's nothing to it. What's so fun about watching cars drive in a circle? Well, yes, they do just drive... Well, ovals most of the time if i really want to be a smart ass about it but um <laughs> uh, you know it's more than that it you is. have uh young kids you have there's people at okay i'm gonna talk about don skaggs legend he's like 80 something years old he's pushing 90 i'm pretty sure like and he's a few years off races a modified at Mount Lawn. And won a race. Not this le- not this year. The previous year. Won a race. Mm-hmm. There's people in, I think, ARCA or Xfinity. There was a guy that ran a race sometime this year that was like 80 years old. Yeah. Could be wrong there, but I feel like I, he I'm was not. Old. He was older. But, like, but then you have 13, 14, 15-year-old kids out here running the same exact thing. Like, it, there's such a huge spectrum of, like, wide range of people that run. And, you know, everybody's unique. Everybody drives differently. Everybody, they they their drive is differently. Like, their mental drive is differently. Mm-hmm. 
But it's just so it's so crazy to be able to see all these people come out and yes, they do just run in circles, but there like I said, there's more to it than that. There's there's strategy, you have to know when to push issues, know when to not. You also have to know how to drive when you're going that fast. Like mm-hmm. I was reading on Twitter today, I don't even remember what they were talking about. I think it was Oh. I was watching an in car footage of someone's feet on the pedals. Mm-hmm. And someone was like, why are you using your left foot to brake? <laughs> like, and I feel like that was a sincere question. A lot of people that don't, sure. you know, that's normal yeah. in a race car. Like, that's common practice in a race car to brake with your left foot. Yeah. Um, but someone was like, oh, it's faster that way because whether you realize it or not, you lose time in between moving your right foot from your gas pedal to your brake pedal. Mm-hmm. And someone was like, well, yeah, if you suck at driving. And I'm like, just because you drive a car on the highway every day at 70 miles an hour, it's not the same. God bless these people. (laughs) No hate. (laughs) But um, I would invite you to race. I'll I'll let you jump in my car. Run it out at Mount Mount Lawn and do 65, 70 miles an hour heading towards the short turn. And try to break with your right foot. I'm telling you, you will not. Maybe I couldn't do it. It was a little bit more scarier for me to do it that way because I did it the first couple laps. I hopped in the crown. I bit. felt comfortable with my using my left foot as a brake foot because I just you're going fast, you're carrying speed, and that wall comes at you fast, and you're like, if you fuck up here, you're you're in the wall. Don't get me wrong; you still have to get used to using your left foot because, like, when I first started it, started using my left foot to break. It was like I would push way too far down on the yeah. brake, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, but you get used to it. I think you you adapt pretty quickly. At least I did. Right. Not but. to brag, but um, I was going to say something that I forgot. Oh, I was going to say, come to Mount Lawn during the summer and watch my big fat ass climb out of a car sweating and hunched <laughs> over because I'm cramping and tell me that it's just going in circles. Right. It takes a lot. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not racing anything expensive. I'm racing a freaking Honda Civic for God's sake, but, um, it still takes a lot to, to wheel those things too. So they also don't see the hours and hours of the late nights that people put in, in their garages at home or their shops preparing, like even the simplest of cars, like, I can't provide a comment. A Crown Vic or Compact. like Regardless of how much work you do personally, we're still out there doing stuff. Right. And it's like we're out there late at night, especially in the summer when it's not 40 below zero in the garage. Right. But like, people don't see that. They see the car at the track. That's all they see. Mm-hmm. Like, if you ever go to a race and you have the opportunity to go down in the pits... Do it. One, you get to get up close and personal. Depending I, on where you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very, you might very potentially get hit by a cart. Or, yeah, <laughs> or, or a drunk redneck. Or get caught up in a fight with 60 people. It's possible. Yes. But that's part of the experience. But I still encourage you to, like, even at your local hometown track, like, just get in the pits. You know, you you'll see people thrashing on their cars at the track. You'll see people fixing stuff just all weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just show up at the track, unload, and turn left for thirty laps or whatever. There's way more to it than that. Yeah, I, I was gonna say. You know, I I highly recommend it when 
I first got into racing, I didn't, I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I didn't, <laughs> I definitely didn't know what the hell I was doing when I first started. And, you know, I knew a guy that worked with, um, Kobe Lane actually. And I asked if I could go in the pits with them and kind of see what, you know, they do and stuff. And I learned a lot and a lot of people were willing to talk to me and kind of give me advice on, on, uh, what to do and, and stuff like that. So it's definitely um, a very valuable learning experience. I'd also say, you know, back to make a point about what you had said about, um, you know, people only see one side of it. I think if teams on various levels made an effort, made an effort to try to give like a behind the scenes look at, at what work they really put in and, and how much something like this really takes, I think people would be uh, more understanding and, and may take a better understanding of, of what really goes on to to get a car to a track on, on a weekend or whatever and, and run a feature and, and all that. Absolutely. Um, I do want to say kind of transitioning back to the dirt world and Dason Persley situation, uh, but just the dirt world in general. I've never been in the pits at a dirt race. Mm-hmm. However, my best friend from college, big into dirt racing, he's in the pits all the time. And he tells me about it, and from my point of view, the dirt atmosphere in general is much, much more friendly Mm -hmm. than the asphalt atmosphere. I have to agree, because I went to my first dirt race with you, actually. Obviously, you know that, but, um, and, like, even, like, the crowds, like, the, the grandstands, it was just, like, completely different from anything I've ever experienced at an asphalt track, so it was, like whoa like this is pretty cool Mm -hmm. uh but anyway the latest update um this was yesterday i believe i don't think there's been anything today um it said he had physical therapy so he worked out yesterday and he was relaxing relaxing and watching the usac on flow racing um and they just requested to keep the prayers coming. So um, it sounds like everything's going, I want to say, almost as well as it could be given the circumstances. Right. Um, I do believe they had worries about him being able to breathe on his own and such um, a couple of days ago. So post-surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're glad to see that. But anyway, uh, we do want to wish him a speedy recovery. Um, thoughts and prayers with him. Uh, fast healing and um now i'm <laughs> i want to say i hope to see him in a race car again but i don't know what him or his family thinks about that so whatever whatever they decide you know but uh, uh, i uh i don't know him i don't know his family but i think they're the type of people that wouldn't turn away just because of this i think they'll i think if he wants the race they're gonna be like okay yeah i know? think i think you know obviously it's gonna be a long long recovery for him and Obviously, I'm praying for him and, and wishing him the best, but uh, I'm definitely hoping that this is something that he's able to overcome and, and obviously get back on the track and do what he loves. So um, definitely wishing him the best for 100%. sure. 100%. Um, I know this isn't one of our topics we had talked about for today, but have we heard anything else about uh, Parker Price Miller? Um, no. I mean, obviously, I, I've seen on social media that he's been getting treatment um, seems like everything's going well, given the unfortunate circumstances of what he's dealing with. But uh, 
it seems like he's in good spirits still and good. and uh fighting the fight good so all right well some more unfortunate news this before we jump into it very very shocking to see i, I mean you didn't even believe me no, I was like, you're lying. And I was like, no. like the, the I'm, And then I like got on Twitter to see for myself, and I was I, like, oh, no. Whatever reason, I did cry a little. I was just like, I was so shocked. I was like, I don't know what to do. And like, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that she's our age. That, too. I mean, that's scary. And it's not something that is common. It's very, very, I wouldn't say very, very, but it's very, like, a rare situation to have for I mean, someone I, her age. I feel like I can definitely relate to the situation. Oh, for my sure. my mom had it. For sure. Yeah, it's... Anyway, I'll let you kind of cover this. Um, so, Travis, I believe, tweeted out... Um, I don't know how long ago it was now, but uh, <clears throat> the unfortunate news that Jess Ballard, um, at the age of 25, uh, had been diagnosed with um, breast cancer. And, uh, like I said, very shocking news. Um the latest update that we got was that she was undergoing treatment um, of radiation. And uh, I believe, let me look here. So it said, uh, they had tweeted out that she was like on meds um, post treatment um, for that, for when was this? Yesterday. Um, and then. Uh, she got a phone call, which Travis posted, saying that she got a call with good news, scan came back negative, and that they were looking at another um, tiny, suspicious node. Um, so, obviously, we don't know um, anything else other than that, other than she came, her scans came back negative, which is obviously amazing to hear. Um, this is something I think that Dakota and I are going to follow pretty closely. Um I, for one, I'm a fan of Travis Braden, mm-hmm. simply because he took the time out of his day to answer us. You know, that's something he didn't have to do. I also saw a post the other day. I think Jess actually was the one that shared it about him. He was, like, video called into a race club at a school and was, like, talking to them about the Snowball Derby. And I think, as a, like, anyone involved in the sport who takes the time to do something like that to teach people that – aren't as knowledgeable on the topic. I think that says a lot, and I appreciate it. I know a lot of other people appreciate it. So um, definitely a big fan of Travis, and I think him and Jess both bring a lot to short track racing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we used a couple episodes ago, we used a lot from them to kind of develop our argument on, you know, why short track racing isn't as successful as we think it could be. Um, And I think Jess provides a lot. She talks about a lot how race. Yeah, I was going to, I'm sorry. I was going to say she, she really advocates more on the marketing side of things and how, um, you know, short track racing and and things like that uh, can really better use, um, you know, different marketing, um, her big thing is opportunities that a lot of these promoters need to get someone younger in who's more familiar with like social media and the technology that has the ability to 
advertise better. Mm-hmm. They know how to reach out to specific crowds. They know how to get the attention of people, whereas a lot of current track promoters and stuff, they're like, oh, here's this race. Oh, we'll post it on Facebook or whatever. And, like, that's kind of it. <laughs> right. They don't put in enough uh, effort. Um, yeah. So, very heartbreaking. Um, but it seems like all is going well, given the circumstances. Um, so, hopefully, um, treatment continues going well for her, and um, she'll be on the mend soon. And back to being a hundred percent. Absolutely. You know, for an off season episode, this is going to be probably our longest episode yet. <laughs> we're, we're getting very close to that. And we still have like a few, a, a couple more topics to discuss. I think we could try to speed, speed through them. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to. I'm not worried about it. Um, as I mentioned earlier, NASCAR is bringing back, um, practice and qualifying Woo-hoo. for this season. Love it, hate it. I don't know. To each their own. I will definitely say I love it. I I, think not having it obviously was a game changer. I think it humbled a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) I think it humbled a lot of people. Yeah, But I'm excited to see it come back for sure. It's a little different too. Um, So I'm going to kind of try and explain this the best that I've been able to understand this. Um, I've seen a couple of diagrams, charts. Yeah, you'll have to because I don't have it. On my <laughs> <laughs> I don't have it on my screen. Um, explaining this, so for regular ovals, uh, drivers will be separated into two groups set by odd slash even finishing order of previous race. Um, group A and both, or both Group A and B, uh, will be a 15-minute practice for round one. Oh, no. 15-minute practice leading into round one of qualifying. It will be a single car qualifying, one lap. Only one lap. Uh, The top five from each group transfer to final round. The final round will be another single car, one lap. Uh, Fastest qualifier earns a Bush Pull Award. Uh, however, at tracks like Martinsville, Bristol, Richmond, and Dover, it will be two laps. Kind of a given. Uh, not necessarily a given, but you can understand why. Right. Uh, so now, super speedways. You have two rounds. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It says round one. All cars, single car, one lap, top ten, transfer to final round. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 oh. They're not separating them to group A and B. That makes sense now. So all the cars run one lap, mm-hmm. top 10 transfer. Final round, single car, one lap, fastest qualifier, earns Bush Pull Award. Um, road courses, two groups as well. 20-minute practice leading into a 15-minute timed session for group A and B separate. Um, so this is going to be... How they qualify is just the 15-minute timed session uh, from each of those groups, the top five, transfer to the final round. And then the final round is a 10-minute timed session where the fastest qualifier earns the Bush Pull Award. And for Bristol Dirt, Bristol Dirt has its own. It has two 50-minute practice sessions 
Four qualifying races to determine the field and starting lineup for Sunday's race. So we have the first qualifier, the second qualifier, third and fourth qualifiers, and then lineup for qualifying races are based totally on a random draw. So a little unique this year. Um, I'm excited to see how it turns out, especially having one lap on a lot of tracks. That's not normal, right? They usually do two. Yeah. Um, Was typical. So we'll, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out for a lot of teams. How do you set up a car for one lap qualifying? How do you get a car ready for one lap qualifying? Because you can't really get up to your top speed in one lap. Right. I was just going to say, I don't quote me on this, but after the Charlotte testing, the time seemed very, very close. Like, not much. Are you talking about between difference. each driver? Like Yeah. And I also saw something, I forget who it was, said that they had about two seconds of fall-off over about a 30-lap run. wasn't Recky, was it? I don't think so. But I know what you're talking about because <laughs> someone replied and was like, uh, I don't know what he said. Never mind. It's recorded. Something about like, <coughs> then you're going to have to like strategize or something. Duh. Right, (laughs) they're like, great. So we knew that was going to happen. That's (laughs) it's going to make you actually have to race, or whatever, or conserve tires. I don't remember exactly, but it was funny. But I was going to say, you know, with one lap qualifying, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, especially if everyone's running very close lap times. I'm assuming. I apologize. I didn't realize you had. That was just for the Cup Series. It's okay. I think Xfinity is pretty. I think Xfinity is the same, except the fact that they don't run Bristol dirt. Mm-hmm. And then the trucks is kind of similar, except on ovals that are not splitting up into two groups. The only time they split up into group A and B is road courses. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's pretty much the same. Oh, and then... The Bristol Dirt is also the same format for Knoxville. Which was the heat races, I believe. Yeah, the four qualification races. I I like dirt racing. But I, after last year with Bristol Dirt, I just don't know. I don't know about it. For one, the truck race, with it being as muddy as it was, was an absolute disaster. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the cup race was too dusty. Nobody could see anything. I just think there's too many. I think. I don't know. I think the disadvantages outweigh the advantages. More short tracks. Please. <laughs> More short tracks. I, I I was going to share the same concern. I wasn't all that impressed. It was okay, but it wasn't like anything fantastic. But also, I'm a bit biased. I prefer asphalt racing, so I'm a little pissed that Bristol Dirt Track Nationals is going to be a thing again and not Short Track Nationals. I do think Bristol Dirt Nationals was very well executed, though. Right. But... <laughs> I do like short track nationals much better. But I also kind of want to go to the dirt nationals to kind of like watch. Compare the two? As a fan perspective, like as a spectator. I guess, just to go and watch. I mean, I'd rather. I think it'd be cool, but. 
watch it there than watch them do. I, yeah, I mean, I think the Dirt Nationals was better executed than uh, the Cup and truck races, but I think the issue. I, I would much rather watch. I I would watch trucks race on dirt before I watch the Cup cars race on dirt. Yes, just because I'm used to watching the trucks run at Eldora. That's mm-hmm. normal to me. One well, Eldora is big enough that you know, but then. The cup cars on Bristol, it was just so slow, and then it was dusty. Nobody could see anything. Was, I don't know. I, I, I also fell asleep during that race, so I don't remember a whole lot of it. But uh, that's half the time I watch a race on TV. That's boring. I'm like, I just fall asleep, and then I wake up right as soon as it ends. <laughs> or somebody wrecks. I'm like, what the hell happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I'm excited to see. The next gen cars in action. I just hope it's better than what I'm anticipating. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, more big news in the dirt world. Good news this time. Uh, the Eldora Million is making a return this year. Um, to my knowledge, they've only ran this race once before, and it was before the track was sold to Tony Stewart. I was talking to my uncle about this last night. That's how I know. Um, he said he wanted to have the previous owner said he wanted to have one big race, one more big race before he was done with the track, and he said he wanted it to be for a million dollars. And so that was the only time they ran it. And they announced was it just yesterday that they announced it, or the day before? I think it was yesterday. Yesterday was the first time I saw it. I think it was yesterday because didn't your uncle call you before yes. the race? So <laughs> I saw the post. I was like, oh, cool. I didn't. I didn't really think anything of it. I was trying to get in race mode myself. And uh, and my best friend from college sends it to me. And I was like, or he sent it to me way before. I had taken a nap before I raced or whatever. And I woke up to the text. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then my uncle called me right before we started our uh, league race last night. He goes, oh, did you see the uh, Eldora Millions making a comeback? I said, yeah, sure did. He's like, it'd probably be a couple good days to take off of work next year. <laughs> so I was like, all right, guess we're going. Um, now, I've been, you haven't been to Eldora before. Nope. Um, I have a few times to watch the World 100. I would love to go to the Dream. I also want to go to the King's Royal. But if you ever get the opportunity to go, do not turn it down. No comment. Why? I don't think I'll ever get... <laughs> Why? If I go, it'll be on my own merit. Or, well, I mean, if you can get the time off, you can go with us. We're not, don't going, don't we're even, not going don't there. Even, we're not going there. I can tell you exactly what he's thinking. Nope. Dakota. What is it? The exact words going through his head right now is, I don't want to intrude. And I'm sitting here, and I'm going to tell him the same thing I tell him every time. I If I invite you... You are not intruding. I am not inviting you because I feel sorry for you. I'm inviting you because I want you to go. You, but not the whole other party that you're going with. So it's all right. They don't care. They're my family. Anywho. (laughs) Anyway, I am super excited for that race. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I hope it has a... Ma- I mean, okay, why wouldn't it have a massive turnout? It's a million dollars. 
you'd be dumb to not go. Right. You know, I guess that kind of falls into the same, oh, well, only the winner wins a million dollars. But we also know that dirt has a better knack of a purse payout through the rest of the field, mm-hmm. typically. But even that, if I go tear up a race car racing for a million dollars, I'm not. Right. I'm, I'm not mad. Right. Um, and if you don't believe us about dirt running better than asphalt, we do have an episode out about that. And you can listen to it and hear exactly what the success of dirt racing is. Um, more big news in the dirt racing world. The Tulsa shootout, on our notes, I put over 300 or near 300. This was four hours ago. The entry update is up to 1,000... 68 cars, right? <laughs> Spread out over a few different divisions. Um, that's a lot. Oh, my word. Um, so the winged outlaw division has 148 entries. The non-wing outlaw division has 215 entries. The winged A-class has 258 entries. The stock non-wing uh, has 270 entries. The restricted A-class has 103 entries, and the junior sprints has 74 entries. Now, um, this is straight from um, the Twitter page that claims to be the official Twitter feed for the Tulsa shootout, so that's my source, but uh, that's damn. <laughs> that's a lot. I also want to say I am very excited. I am going to Gateway Dirt Nationals, not next weekend, the weekend after Thanksgiving. Um, so first indoor dirt race in the dome. Did you ever find out that was going to be broadcasted? Hey, it should be. I'll be watching from home. It'll be on. Hmm. I don't know if it'll be flow or dirt vision. We'll figure it out. Hopefully, because I want to watch it, but I'll be watching from home. I'll just FaceTime you. I get off at three now, so. (laughs) Um, so. I get to experience my first dome race um, on a little, I think it's a fifth mile track where they run super late models and all sorts of wild stuff. It's going to be super cool. I am 100% taking earphones or earplugs because if I don't, I'm not going to be able to hear when I leave that place. It's going to be loud. Um, I will definitely take some video to share with you and put it on our social media if we want to. Um, Thanks for that. Appreciate it. We live in the boonies, <laughs> so you get that. But anyway, um, can't promise it'll be the highest quality videos. I was going to take my GoPro, but then I was like, I really don't want to carry that around all weekend. So, Right. Um, Anything's better than nothing. Right. But excited for that. I, I'm going to try and watch the Tulsa shootout as well. That's a lot of cars. <laughs> That's a lot of cars. A lot. Um, but... Our last bit of news, um, we've been kind of in the works with this for a little while. A um, couple weeks, I think. A couple weeks. Um, we reached out to the driver um, to see if he would be interested in our offer, mm-hmm. and he was. Uh, so if you have paid any attention to our... Facebook and or Twitter, you would see that the that three wide with DJG is going to be on Cody Connor's super late model for the Snowball Derby. So that's something we are very excited about. We um, 
appreciate Cody for giving us this opportunity and allowing us to kind of get our name out, but support him as well. Um, He did give us a shout-out on Twitter and Facebook. So just another thank you for that. We appreciate it. We did get a few new followers from that. So if you're listening, welcome. We we are happy to have you, and we hope you hope you stay for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great partnership um, between the two because you know he's a small team, and and obviously we have a small race team and and the podcast and everything. So I think it's a great partnership. I'm glad that we're able to kind of support someone like him. Um, so looking forward to seeing him run snowball. I also want to say he's just a very like. Very respectable, nice guy. Yeah, he's awesome. Like, we had someone literally at, like, 3 o'clock this morning liked our page and sent us a message right away and was, like, um, basically talking about Cody. Like, Cody's such a nice guy. He, you know, he's very fan-appreciative and fan-friendly. And, you know, I responded. I was like, we've noticed that in just a couple of weeks we talked to him on Twitter. Like, we've we've never talked to him in person. Mm-hmm. But like, just seems like a very all-around genuine dude that loves racing, you know. And he's one of the very few drivers that I've noticed who, like you said, is very fan appreciative. There's only a few drivers that are that we can that I can see, and that's Cody Connor, um, and and another big name, Stephen Nassi. I mean, those two hit the nail on the head every single weekend that they're running. So, um. Very appreciative of Cody for giving us giving us this opportunity to to do something like this, and uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about the other thing yet, but mm-hmm. that's up to you. The other, yeah, uh, I think it's safe to say that. Uh, I, I think we can announce that too. Um, so we also got in contact with um, Forrest Compact Driver. Kyle Frame, who is in the process of building a new car, Honda Civic, actually, to be more specific, the same thing I run. So, um, he made a tweet saying, you know, if you're interested in jumping on board with us, you know, now's the time, or whatever. And so, uh, we did reach out to him also, and uh, we struck a deal. And uh, once everything gets finalized, we're gonna have our logo on his car as well. So. Uh, again, another great guy. Um, obviously, we never talked to him in person, but uh, we've chatted with him multiple times. I, if I was going to PRI, I would probably be hanging out at his booth the whole time. For sure, the whole time. <laughs> for sure. Um, just another great dude uh, who does a lot for short track racing. Um, so when I saw that tweet, I knew, like, I thought, yeah, this is definitely an opportunity I want to try to pursue. Um, so I'm glad that he's given us this opportunity as well, and. Uh, um, thankful to be able to, to to partner with them as well. I mean, if it says anything, when we uh, were trying to get some info for our episode on short, like asphalt short track racing versus dirt, he was one of the drivers we reached out to. And, you know, we were kind of leaning more towards like asphalt super late model racing because there's not very many cars at a lot of races, whereas the Vores Compact Touring Series, they've been 50 cars. Yeah. Uh, but we did. We still wanted to get his input from uh, a different class, just to see kind of what his thoughts were and give his input. But anyway, when we reached out to him, he answered very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, very quickly. And we 
that I appreciate that. I know you were the one doing most of the talking there, but like, I think that means a lot to us. Yeah. Not saying that it means like the people that didn't respond fast mean <laughs> any less. Like we still appreciate all the feedback, but um, he did take the time out of his day to answer us. I mean, it was like, bam. <laughs> right. Uh, but so. Yep. And we've been cheering for him. We cheered for him at the Winchester 400 weekend. Granted, he was in an accident early. We were rooting for him in Nashville, and he ended up bringing a home P2. But uh, So I'm looking forward to see what the new car brings. I wish him the best of luck next season. Mm-hmm. And I also want to wish Cody Connor some uh, good luck. Snowball Derby weekend. Yeah. that's uh, We will definitely be having – I don't know if you'll be in state or not, but I will definitely be having a watch party for sure um, oh. for Snowball Derby. and uh, 100%. Um, another thing about Cody is the car, you can't miss it. Mm-hmm. It sticks out. It's um, a pretty car. I like it. It's a very pretty car. It's a number 45, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it is tiger print. All tiger print. You know, <laughs> sorry. I'm going to get canceled for this. Oh, boy. Tiger King should honestly sponsor the freaking <laughs> car. Could you imagine <laughs> Joe Exotic's hood? I'm sorry, hood. but like that's a missed opportunity if somebody doesn't take it. But oh yeah, the whole car is tiger print, blue numbers, can't miss it. Uh so uh our logo will be on that car. I believe it's on the door post. The door post behind his seat. Mm-hmm. Um so we will definitely be cheering him on. Um be sure to give him a like. It's Cody Connor Racing on Facebook. Um, he has Twitter. I'm sure we'll plug that somewhere in the. Yeah, I'll the make camp. sure to plug everything and um, <laughs> definitely like like his pages. Thank him for giving us this opportunity because we greatly appreciate it. And uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody. I think that's all we have for this week. I was anticipating this week being a very short episode just because it is off season. But uh, I'm telling you, off season this year is going to be crazy. I, I think you're right. Uh, last weekend was kind of short, but we've managed to make up for it this week. Yeah. I think for sure. But anyway, I believe you got yeah. anything else? All right, everybody. That is episode number six of Three Wide with DJG. We appreciate all of you for listening. Uh, please be sure to like, comment, share, um, share our Facebook page with friends, family, race car fans, anybody you can think of. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Um, and with that said, we will talk to you next week.